Welcome to Code Together, a podcast for developers by developers, where we discuss technology and trends in industry. I'm your host, Tony Monkolspine. Today we are joined by two university students that are working on a chatbot that aims to have English, human-like conversations through the use of AI and ML. Joshua Shields, a first-year university student, is the creator of the transformer-based chatbot. His collaborator is Harvey Johnson, a second-year student studying an integrated master's in electronics and computer engineering at the University of Nottingham. Um, nice to meet you, Josh. Nice to meet you too, Tony. And also Harvey Johnson. Hello. <laughs> Hi, guys. So you guys are actually using one API in Sickle in a real-world application. Um, perhaps, Josh, you can talk a little bit about what application we're talking about. Yeah, um, so the application itself is a artificial intelligence chatbot that leverages transformers in order to obtain um, generative responses based on a prompt. Um, currently, I'm using TensorFlow as the machine learning um, API to actually allow me to build the transformer itself, but I build it for some stupid reason from scratch. Um, to allow me to one learn more about the inner workings of transformers, but um, to hopefully also leverage performance gains. So, how long have you actually been working on this? Oh God, uh, I think Gavin started just gone October. He's about three years old now, and uh, that is surprising. Yeah, uh, that time kind of flew by. I started. Um, I started. I first started him in what would be the year before final high school in the US, but year 12 here in the UK. And uh, it's been quite the journey. That's cool. So, so you've been working on him for three years, which means so back in 2020, how did you come up with the idea that you wanted to build a chatbot? I was just um, scrolling through uh, TensorFlow uh, documentation um, because I'm like, right, I want to do machine learning. I've done the generic cats and dogs image detection, and yeah, it was fun, but it's been done to death, and you Google the issue when someone solved it, and you get 99% accuracy without all that much work. So I decided I want something more challenging. So as I was looking through uh, Tinsel documentation and uh, sites like uh, Medium and stuff like that, I realized that natural language processing seemed quite interesting. And I decided that I'd take up that, and what seemed like a simple idea at the time was a chatbot. And I underestimated how difficult one is by a lot. <laughs> Let's bring Harvey in here a little bit. So Harvey, why don't you talk about how you started getting involved with the work that Josh is doing? Um, so I met Josh in a Discord server, uh, Sentdex's Discord. He's a Python programming YouTuber. And I think I offered to train Gavin for him. Yeah. And while training Gavin, I noticed it took, what was it, 30 or 40 minutes to load up uh, the data set. And that wasn't even the full data set. That was only a bit of it. And so um, that's a great issue with this. I, uh, I saw inefficiency and um, I couldn't help but try and fix it. So I basically joined the project and I rewrote the, the loader for the data to basically be written in C++ with bindings for Python. And we managed to get it down to, I think it was something like 10 to 15 seconds to load eight to nine gigabytes worth of data, which was pretty much the full data set at the time. Wow, so you're talking what a 60X improvement, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, 
big, big improvement. <laughs> I can't quite remember it, but we were purely limited by the SSD speed on my end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a massive improvement. Well, that's cool. And, and just to be clear, you, you mentioned Gavin, and Gavin is the name of the chatbot that you guys are, yes, are working on. Yes, yeah. yeah. Cool. Are you guys the only two guys working on it? Yes, yeah, we are. I think we attempted to get someone else to contribute code, but it didn't didn't work out. No, no, I didn't in the end. Not surprising. The uh, code base is a little bit disorganized on my end. <laughs> Same on my end. I am not professional. <laughs> That's okay. You guys are university students. I'm pretty sure that my uh, code was not very professional for even the first couple of years I was a professional. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys actually deploy this anywhere? Do you just test it in-house? Uh, technically, it is deployed as a Discord bot at the moment, um, which is public, although I don't advertise it much because he's currently still a little bit on the stupid end. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that runs um, in the cloud on uh, another one of my friends who owns some servers that he rents um, and he offered me some space to for me to host in 24-7 um, but other than that he's not properly deployed now. Is it open source? Yes, yeah, it's completely open source. Um, all his code is in a GitHub um, organization uh, under the name Gavin Development. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll have to link that. I think I actually Google it because I, I knew we were going to be talking about it. So I, I think I found it, but I'll have to confirm with you it's the right place. And then Harvey, you were you were talking about kind of how you accelerated it. And obviously, um, you work as a Intel student ambassador, and you use Intel's One API. So talk a little bit about how you were able to use the different pieces or whatever pieces of One API you used in order to accelerate Gavin. Yeah. So. Um... We have the tokenizer, which takes in the text and converts it into a second, is it a one-dimensional or two-dimensional vector? A uh, one-dimensional vector. It's numbers. Yeah, one-dimensional vector. And he was using, I think it's depreciated, the one you were using. Yes, now, yes right? it it's is, yeah. Tensorflow one. It, it, it's bad enough it got depreciated, basically. <laughs> so I figured I'd have a crack at making one. And so I did a implementation of byte pair encoding. It's not a full implementation because it doesn't, because uh, I think byte pair encoding will keep combining until it gets to a certain vocab size, whereas mine will only combine one, one time. And essentially, uh, I wrote the algorithm on the CPU and it was fast. And then I thought, well, we could parallelize this because it's basically just two for loops. And so I thought, GPU. And um, that's when I started investigating how to do it on the GPU. So we took one look at CUDA, and I was like, mm, maybe not. I tried Vulkan, because I have a decent amount of experience in Vulkan uh, trying to write render engines. Uh, also, way too much boilerplate code. And so then I went around looking, and Circle came up, and um, tried it, and very easy. And so we used Circle to accelerate the... <laughs> creation of our tokenizers, uh, the vocab building. Um, and it's pretty big acceleration. I think it's like my 12900KS can, is about 11 to 12 times slower than a 3090. And this is with Sickle. Um, so I don't think the code's particularly 
well optimized as like native CUDA would be, but I also don't know. But it's very big speed up, basically. Yeah. So you're actually running, you're, you wrote it in Sickle. Um, but just to be clear for your listeners, you're running it on an NVIDIA 3090. Yep. Cool. And, <laughs> and what compiler, how did you actually get it to compile for that? Um, it was probably the easiest thing I've ever done involving GitHub. Uh, it was literally just pull the LLVM Git repo and follow the instructions, which was like three things in command line. And then 20 minutes later, I had myself a compiler, which after I would played with it for five minutes to work my way around how to use the command line for it, um, which was actually, I don't know why I did that because it was standard. Um, I basically did a test build of it and then it worked and we tested it and then it was like, hooray, we've got it working. <laughs> um, it was really easy actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, has that made your life easier having the shorter uh, load time? Is it making your development cycles any better? Yes, 100%. Uh, yeah, because when because we have issues with the training, right? Mm -hmm. And to be able to actually encounter those issues, we need to be able to start training. So the fact that we can actually load the data up in a couple of seconds now versus 30 or 40 minutes, it, 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 it actually exposes us to a lot more bugs and a lot more <laughs> issues that we're trying to fix. But that's good. It's progress. <laughs> I'm curious. Like, what topics does your chat box actually cover? So if it's in Discord, there's a lot of different types of conversations going in Discord. You said it's not very good. What actually do I get out of talking to Gavin? Right, this, this one gets a little bit interesting. Um, when I first started Gavin, um, the easiest data set or the easiest way for me to collect a bunch of text data without having to break TOS and scrape a bunch of sites was to already use a data set out there. So I ripped Reddit because there's um, pushshift.io. Uh, the CDN has all the files they use for the last, back into like 2015 of all Reddit comments. So I just downloaded all of them, took its time, uh, processed them into databases, which I've since somehow managed to delete, but that's a future me problem. And then from there, <laughs> I've used Harvey's, um, other parts of Harvey's tools with uh, using Intel, uh, converted it, from that JSON data into uh, custom file formats, which is how the load times are crazy, crazy fast now. Um, but because he's trained on Reddit, uh, the, the, the issue is, one, I've got to filter a lot. Um, so on the Discord bot, there is a list of words that I just tell it to filter out the message because I'm not dealing with Discord knocking on my door for my bot saying things that shouldn't. And um, it, another issue with Reddit is it's probably not the best data set to use in general, purely because it's such a massive website with so many subreddits. There's not a continuous genre or style of typing because it's m probably millions of different users it's using, right? So Gavin himself is highly incoherent after three or four messages trying to follow the same conversation, he just gives up. Purely due to Reddit, I'm trying to switch to what GPT-3 uses, which is the pile, but that's about a terabyte of data uncompressed, and currently I don't have the time to be able to write um, the code to be able to leverage Harvey's tools and actually process it, but that is to come. That's interesting. How do you, have you tried other, have you tried like Google's chatbots and what? 
Um, some of the ones, obviously, there was the story earlier this year, right, where the Google engineer claimed that the chatbot that they were using was sentient. Uh, have you tried any other chatbots, and how do you feel about your your Gavin effort versus what's out there? <laughs> well, uh, I haven't had first-hand experience with the latest state-of-the-art models because they're either, they either cost to get or you need permission from the researchers themselves, and I don't have the time nor money to be able to access that at the moment. So I have, however, played around with GPT-2, um, which is a okay. outdated model now, and it is much better. I'm purely going to put that down to because OpenAI has a research budget and I do not. Or we do not. <laughs> so we're using uh, consumer GPUs with uh, you know, very, very powerful consumer GPUs, but nevertheless, they're still consumer GPUs, and we obviously have university on top of on top of everything else as well. So finding the time to be able to knuckle down and uh, fix all the bugs that come up with Gavin is is challenging at times. Yeah, that is a real issue mm -hmm. actually. <laughs> but yeah. Um, have you played around with other AI models? Are there other areas of AI that you guys are interested in, or are you focused mostly on Gavin and then your university work? Hmm. Um, I guess I'll go first with this one. Uh, I got into AI through TensorFlow tutorials, and then I spent a long time learning how DC GANs work and learning different generative models, and then so I, I, I played around with super resolution for a bit. I played around with uh, recoloring images and then um, actually generating faces from scratch, which is half the reason why I have the computer sat next to me, is to do that. Um, so I, I mostly did a lot of feedforward uh, convnets, nothing anywhere near as complex as uh, Transformers, which I think Gavin is based on. And I don't really know how Transformers work, but luckily I don't have to deal with that. That's Josh's uh, department and expertise. Yeah, I, I have played around with other models. Natural language processing is 100% my passion, but from time to time I, I need a break because it makes me want to rip my hair out. Um, so I do do... Um, recently I've done a little bit on uh, image recognition, so uh, I did some old Kaggle um, competitions, uh, the generic ones for detecting certain diseases and that, because it seemed pretty interesting to realise there's actually a model there's some team of people out there and it's saving lives as we speak um in syndex discord um one of the moderators there um i was lucky enough that he presented the master's thesis in vc and i happened to be around at the time and his model is currently being used um to detect a very specific issue with the heart but in and around hospitals in the u.s it's saving lives and while gavin definitely won't be doing that i'm hoping that Maybe in some way my skills that I build beyond natural language process, but also natural language process and will also be able to help in similar ways. Yeah, I, it's actually interesting. I'm, I'm doing a podcast, I'm recording it at least this week with a company that's focused on um, radiology and chest imaging. Um, so I, I spent some time looking at that this week and there was, there's been a couple things, right? Google's done some work around identifying abnormalities in chest x-rays. And there was another paper, um, or maybe it wasn't a paper, but there was a, a news article yesterday where somebody published that through a chest x-ray, they claim they were able to determine if you would have, would have cardiovascular disease in the next 10 years based on how your arteries looked in the chest x-ray. 
And they said that their AI algorithm was able to detect essentially if your arteries were hardening, right? Having some type of, type of arterial sclerosis and they could identify that up to 10 years ahead of time. We'll see how that comes. I, I couldn't find any like details or research paper um, behind it, but they, they did have a link to something. It just didn't have the paper itself. So we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very impressive. Very much uh, far ahead of what we're doing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's child's playing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a different, same t same type of workflow, different models, different level of data. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Gavin's entire data set in the comp in the compressed format that uh, Harvey uses. The entire data set is twenty gigs, I think, ten gig files each, um, which is about sixty five million samples. So a lot of samples. Well, in total, 120, but 65 million useful samples because um, you need to pass two samples at the same time to the model. So a lot of samples for consumer, but on a scale as big as that chest X-ray or GPT-3, it's it's tiny. <laughs> yeah, when I was talking to the guys who were doing Aurora, so we did a podcast around that. I mean, they were talking about petabytes of data, right, as <laughs> inputs. <laughs> oh God. I could only dream of having that much available. I feel sorry for Sakura. Or you could suffer trying to ingest that much data into your processing engine. <laughs> I feel like we're, we've run yeah. into issues with the... Uh, Harvey may have to correct me here, but I think we've run into issues with PCIe bandwidth in the past. And I imagine petabytes uh, would yeah. start properly throttling that. <laughs> I mean... Our GPU accelerated algorithm actually has um, really lackluster core utilization because it is not bottlenecked by the core. It's not even bottlenecked by the memory. It's bottlenecked by the PCIe bus. And unfortunately, there's nothing I can do uh, to fix that. Yeah. Um, other than try really hard to make it more efficient. But I don't think there's actually a way to do that, unfortunately. Well, now you just need to find um, a third person who knows how to do it. Yeah. I suppose you know, Tony. Hopefully. Uh, joining the Gavin team. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the right developer. expert for you guys there. <laughs> Other interesting things. So, Harvey, I know that you recently got an art card. Yep. I'm curious. Do you want to see it? Well, I, I would love to see it. I mean, I obviously, I have one, too. Nice. So you get a, you get a 750. Okay, so you didn't get the RGB one. Um, I have the A770, it's sat in a nook just um, behind the laptop I'm on. So you've got two. I, I'm curious, did you try running Gavin through that using uh, your sickle model? How'd that work? Yes. Um, I don't have numbers to compare to other GPUs, but I can confirm the data set deploys and runs, no bugs. Um, because I, I pre-tested it because our plan was to try and deploy Gavin to the NUC 11, which is the A770 in. Because we're having some issues with the 3090s. Something, something, it doesn't like to work after an hour or two yeah. or something. And um, Intel, uh, I, I this is just a, a neat little thing that I noticed when I first got my art card. You don't need a display plugged in to get display out, which is amazing for headless servers. But NVIDIA, last time I checked and tried, you need to have a dummy plug. And so my hunch was that um, the reason why we couldn't train Gavin for more than 10 hours at a time was NVIDIA just being like, nope, you're doing data center work and killing the process. 
Um, it was my hunch. I have no proof at all, to be clear. But, you know, they, they do that <laughs> thing with virtual displays, or at least they used to. So I, I wanted to get a build going ASAP on the NARC. So I, I've gone ahead and tested it all, and the code fully deploys, and it performs pretty well as far as I'm aware. Okay, cool. That's, I mean, that's good news, right? That's what we're all trying to do. <laughs> Currently, my only issue is uh, TensorFlow itself, um, because the NUC is running Windows at the moment, because of our personal issues with not being able to get SSH set up, because uh, reasons with each of our networks being university students, they don't really like us fiddling with the network settings. So um, <laughs> uh, TensorFlow doesn't appear to support ARC cards on uh, Windows yet, which is an issue. Um, while obviously it does train on the CPU, that isn't exactly fair to the CPU to do that to. Um, so I haven't pushed it to do that, but when I eventually find the time to be able to write the processing code for the, the pile data set, um, I will be using the NUC and leveraging both the Intel and G, uh, CPU and GPU in order to actually ingest their data, tokenize it, and save it to the format and everything that needs to be done before it gets onto a model. And obviously that can be done on whatever GPU it needs to be done on. As soon as the data's processed, it's pretty much plug and play. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'll, I'd like to talk to Harvey a little bit about, um, so for those who don't know, and most of you listening probably don't know, Harvey, I met through, he's a, one of the moderators on our Discord for Intel Insiders. He also is active in the Intel DevMesh channel, and he is part of our Intel Student Ambassador Program. So lots of ties to Intel there. and. I can imagine that that's cool because when I was a university student, which is now 20 years, 20 plus years ago, I would have thought that was really cool, but that was before really the internet really took off and I would have had no idea how to do it. But I'm curious, how did you get involved kind of in all of these things and what's your experience? Um, oh gosh, I got involved uh, a little over a year or a year and a bit ago. Um, I joined the Intel Discord because I purchased some shares in Intel on a stock trading app, and um, it was a nice community. Uh, to give them credit, they were, and I hate to go on NVIDIA again, nicer than the NVIDIA Discord. Um, and I just kind of kept chatting and talked to people in there, and I just kind of became part of the community. And then I just so happened to be obviously doing Gavin stuff alongside that, and... Um, through conversations with people there and some of the employees and that, I kind of got shown the different programs that Intel offers and I got made a student ambassador. And then I think like, literally two weeks later, I got made a mod on the Discord. And so I've been doing the two of them for pretty much the same amount of time uh, in parallel, which um, is actually quite fun. Uh, because I get the hardware and that from insiders, which then I also get to use for stuff with Gavin. And then I get the support on the technical side from ambassadors. And I also get to uh, showcase my work and um, and share why I like Sickle with uh, a lot of people here at university. Um, because a lot of people here don't even know that Intel makes GPUs. Um, so they look at me kind of funny when I come in and I'm like, oh yeah, look, I got an A750 here. Would you like to see it? Um, and it, it, it's, it's nice to, because a lot of people are very 
apathetic towards the situation of like heterogeneous compute and it's just CUDA or don't bother. And it, it, it is nice to go in and show them that like, hey, you know, you can you can do sickle and I've done it and I've been able to do it because of I've had the assistance and the training that Intel's provided and it's allowed me to go and do what I want relatively easily, which is the most important part for me because if it's too hard, I ain't got the time, unfortunately. But yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a blast, and um, yeah, yeah, it's great. And, and also, there was you put together an event. I want to say what is it? A month ago, a month and a half ago, um, at, at the University of Nottingham. Is that right? Yes, uh, it was the on the October the eighth. We had some researchers up from uh, Cambridge's Open Zeta Scale Compute Lab. I think it was called. They they came up to give a presentation on uh, Sickle and one API, but the the tool set as a whole. So it wasn't just Sickle. There was OpenMP. I think it was something called MPI. Was it OpenMPI? Uh, we did stuff on VTune, and we did. Yeah, that was about it. The only things I'm really good at or know from that is VTune and Sickle. I haven't touched anything else. I think we did something on... It was that framework for... It wasn't OpenVNN, but it was something... It was not the machine learning framework. It was the MKL, that's it. Uh, the math kernel library was what we did some stuff on as well. Um, and it was it was quite fun. We got lots of swag and gave people things, and we had a lot of people turn up. I think initially we were at around fifty people, but then twenty more trickled in over the like first thirty minutes, and we got up to about seventy. But then, of course, after the free pizza, um, we lost a few people. But it was fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The, the key learning there is free pizza will bring people in the door. It does. <laughs> Hundred percent of the time. <laughs> okay, and, and so, well, as we kind of wrap things up, um, I'll get, ask each of you kind of the same question. You guys are both university students, and I'll give you a little framing. When I was a university student, I wanted to write video games because this was the late '90s, early 2000s, and I liked playing games like Quake and Unreal Tournament, and I really wanted to go work for Tim Sweeney and. and make cool video games, which I ended up never doing. But that's what really excited me about where the industry is going. You guys are, you know, learning and going to university in this great age, essentially, of AI, parallelism, this huge growth in accelerated computing. What are you guys looking forward to as you kind of get done with your university studies and kind of move out into industry? Gosh. Uh, I always reply with, embedded systems but i don't mean like edge embedded i mean like high performance but like very highly specialized silicon like when when someone mentions tensor cores or ray tracing cores like that, that kind of piques my interest when uh you mention accelerating things through doing uh like special hardware that is what really interests me and Hopefully, over the next week, I have enough time to fully implement uh, something. I've been working for the past two days on building out my own matrix uh, library for C++. Um, uh, and I'm 
like 50% of the way there for the CPU code. And then hopefully I'm gonna then start porting it to Sickle to use XMX and start testing that. And that's because my ultimate goal is essentially to go lower and lower level until eventually I'm writing everything in, well, everything that needs to be fast in assembly and having um, a full knowledge of it. So my, my, my future is, um, x86 software dev manual which is in my drawer uh, i finish reading that i get good at writing assembly better than a compiler and i also know how to design hardware that's that's what i'm looking forward to doing there's a, something that brings all of those together where i can make a big impact on performance wow i will tell you that our job that we are trying to do at intel is try to make sure that your job doesn't exist and that things are easy enough that people can do them at a higher level <laughs> yeah we have not figured that out yet, totally, <laughs> but we are trying to get there. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be part of the making the solution, I guess. Yeah, and it seems very likely from talking to you the last uh, last couple months. How about you, Josh? Uh, my dream is to abuse both of you, and uh, I, I, for the first <laughs> few years, so in theory I would like a doctorate, but I'm still in my first year bachelor's, so I've got some time, to say the least. Um, but I want to do some academic research, preferably with AI, to actually offer something to the field that I've been so interested in for so long at this point. Um, because I just think that'd be awesome. Even if no one knows my paper exists, at least I know it exists. And that's enough. After that, hopefully, by some sheer miracle, a company seems to like what I do. And I go ahead and I continue research, but under the pay and the embrace of a much, much larger company. Um, using tools and things that are designed by individuals like Harvey and even possibly um, tools that Intel have made um, to continue doing artificial intelligence. And I've mentioned earlier about um, uh, my interest with medical models and hopefully in the future, once I've got a little bit more knowledge, I will be able to implement and produce my own models that are used in hospitals. Well, that's cool. That's some uh, some good goals, and I hope you guys get there. Uh, that's all we have today for our podcast. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in, and thanks, Josh and Harvey, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Same here. It's been a pleasure.